Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson, and let's just dig right into Steelers-Browns nerding out day. This is stat day. Uh, Of course, they have an extra day for this to marinate, for you guys to process it. I don't know if that's good or bad for a team that just got embarrassed, but we'll see. A little more rested might be good for guys like Fryermuth, though. But anyway, when the Steelers have the ball, it's nerd time. Stats like crazy. This will be a combination of stuff from last year, since we only have one game to go on, and what we saw in week one. Probably weeks going forward, I'll start to eliminate stuff from last year, once we have a little bit more body of work to analyze the Raiders and upcoming opponents. But anyway, the Steelers 4.9 yards per play in 2022, ranked 27th. But the Browns' defense gave up 5.4 yards per play. That was 18th. Pittsburgh's offense created just one play last year of 50 or more yards. That was the fewest in the NFL. Again, I'm sure that doesn't shock you. And these low yards per play and lack of explosions go right hand in hand. In 2022, the Browns were the fifth in net passing yards allowed and fourth in completion percentage allowed. The Browns defense allowed just 196.2 pass yards per game last year. Only four defenses were better. They don't get credit for that pass defense. It's pretty good. But there's also some other reasons behind it, too. How about this? Miles Garrett has never had a teammate reach double-digit sacks. New addition Darius Smith has accomplished this three of the past four years. Garrett was the most double-teamed edge rusher in the league last year. So he's had very little help around him. And how about this? Garrett's 16 sacks accounted for 47% of the Browns' team sack production. Remember, he had 16. Taven Bryan, I don't think he's back with the team, he isn't, was second on the team with just three sacks. How about that disparity? 16 sacks for your leader, three sacks for your second, your runner-up. Brutal. They addressed it, though. In 2022, the Browns allowed just an average of 2.3 points per first quarter of games. That was the best in the league. Now, this is going to be important. But they were 19th in second quarter points allowed and 26th in third and 26th in fourth quarter production, respectively. Now, I told you yesterday, the Steelers, when they had a lead, were great last year. The Browns over the Stefanski era, at at half, I mean, the Browns over the Stefanski era have been awful when playing with a halftime deficit, but they were great in first quarter games defense, but they got worse and worse and worse as the game went on. Big reason was bad run defense. Last year, this is prevalent considering what the Steelers dealt with last week, the Browns saw passes targeted between the numbers on just 18% of passing attempts. Only the Jets saw a fewer percentage. I don't know what to take of that because they don't have Fred Warner and Greenlaw and those guys. I think a lot of it was just attacking outside the numbers because they gave up a fair amount of production there. I don't quite understand why they weren't targeted more often between the numbers with all their linebacker injuries, but we'll see. I guess one of the reasons is they played the Steelers twice who didn't throw the ball within the numbers. The only three offenses that used play action at a lower percentage than Pittsburgh last year. Only three offenses used play action at a lower percentage than Pittsburgh last year. 
Now, Deontay Johnson has been targeted at least 144 times and caught at least 86 passes in each of the last three seasons. During that time, he averages 9.6 targets, 5.9 catches, and 61.8 yards per game played. He obviously is going to miss this game with a hamstring injury. It's huge. It's a lot of production, a lot of consistent production. George Pickens' 15.2 average depth of target as a rookie was far and away the highest of all Steelers receivers. Pickett had a passer rating of 119.5 when targeting Pickens last year. That was the third highest amongst all quarterback wide receiver duos with a minimum of 50 targets, only behind Tua and Waddle, Allen and Diggs with the Bills. Think about that, passer ratings. But Pickens didn't see more than six targets in any game from week six on last year. Kind of can do the math that when they throw to him, good things happen, but they got to throw to him more. But he also isn't open as much as Deontay. So it's a little bit of a catch-22, but you got to get him the football. When they throw him the football, good things happen. Pat Fryermoose's average depth of target went from 5.3 yards as a rookie to 8.3 yards in 2022. That's a huge difference. And his average yards per target jumped from 6.3 to 7.5. Also, huge jump. Now, you think the Steelers' offense was bad last year or last week? Go watch Browns Bengals. I mean, and here's some ridiculous numbers from Joe Burrow. In week one, Burrow threw for just 82 yards on 31 pass attempts in Cleveland. Burrow only had one completion on a pass that traveled 10 or more yards downfield and was one of nine on such attempts. Just attempting a pass 10 yards or further, he was one or of nine. Burrow's 82 passing yards was the third fewest in a game by a player with 30-plus pass attempts since 1950. <laughs> I mean, bonkers. The Browns first forced Burrow to attempt 71% of his passes outside the numbers, the highest percentage of his, of his career. He averaged under two yards per throw on such passes. Miserable. In that game, the Bengals went three and out on seven different drives, and Cincinnati punted 10 times. The Bengals' offense generated just 142 total yards and just six total first downs. The longest completion the Browns gave up went for just 12 yards, and Cincinnati converted just two of 15 third-down opportunities. I mean, unbelievable. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins combined to catch five passes for 39 yards. They were targeted a combined 17 times, five catches on 17 targets. The Browns blitzed Burrow on 38% of his dropbacks. On those instances, Burrow was 2 of 11 for 16 yards. Last year, Burrow was blitzed on just 16% of his dropbacks. That's the lowest rate in the league. So no one blitzed Burrow. They were afraid to. The Browns decided, let's do the opposite and heat him up like he never has before. I'm sure a lot of it's the rust of not playing and the bad calf, and a lot of this stuff has to deal with that. But still, even last year with a dif different de defensive coordinator, when the Browns blitzed the defensive back last year, they allowed just 3.1 yards per play. That was the best in the NFL. So last year, speaking of outside numbers, last week, Pickens out lined up on the outside for 87% of his snaps. 
Calvin Austin aligned on the outside for 85% of his snaps. Now, will they switch that because it's not an in-game adjustment with Deontay going down? Will Austin and Robinson flip-flop more, slot the outside? I don't know. Um, last year, and I don't know what they did in week one. I need to study this a little bit more. The Browns were dead last in keeping their cornerbacks on respective sides of the field. You know how the Steelers play left, right? Well, the, the Browns did that the fewest percentage, meaning their cornerbacks often traveled with specific receivers. Now, I don't know if they do that or not. I mean, that's one of my projects for this afternoon. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some of these other different things. I mean, some crazy numbers here. All right, last week, again, with a new defensive coordinator, Miles Garrett aligned as an off-the-ball linebacker for four snaps. Those four snaps resulted in a sack and three incomplete passes. Until this year, Garrett has aligned off the ball just 21 times in his previous six seasons, and he did it four times in this game. Garrett also dropped into this co- into, into coverage in this game more than once. So they're lining him all, all over the place and attacking centers and guards even. With the when the opponent has three or more wide receivers on the field, Cleveland's defense allowed 5.5 yards per rush attempt. That was the worst in football last year. So spread them out, attack the middle of the field, but they have reinforced that interior spine of the defense. After the Steelers' week nine bye last year, they averaged 146.2 rushing yards per game which that's awesome, you know. Cleveland allowed 22 rushing touchdowns last year, third most in the NFL. Now, is their run defense fixed or not? We really don't know after week one, but they did a lot in the preseason, in the offseason to address it. Last week, Steelers rushed for 41 yards. The Browns allowed just 75 yards in week one on the ground. Rough. However, Najee Harris has played this team four times, and has racked up 415 yards on the ground against the Browns. So he averages well over 100 yards per game. The Browns forced a three and out on 36% of their drives last year. That was seventh best in the NFL, despite their inability to stop the run. Only four defenses used their nickel package at a lower percentage of the time than Cleveland last year. Much like the Steelers, they were either in base or they were in dime. And a lot of it's because they didn't have the versatility at linebacker, which I'm not sure that they still do. Uh, Only five defenses committed more defensive pass interference penalties than the Browns. So the Steelers were, if you remember last week, I told you how great the combination of Johnson and Pickens were at drawing pass interference calls. Well, Browns are like the worst at taking them. Last thing I got for you. Last year, the Browns' opponents passed the ball on just 53% of the time. Only four defenses saw a lower percentage of pass, which goes back to the beginning of the podcast. Man, their numbers against the pass are really good. Well, their numbers against the run are really bad. Well, people just ran and ran and ran on them, you know. So, that's a huge key to this game is the Browns' run defense fixed through personnel, we don't know because of how inept Burrow and the Bengals were last week. 
So that'll be crucial. I mean, obviously, the Steelers aren't going to win this game if they run the ball eight to ten times like they did last week. So uh, flip to the other side of the ball tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful day. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.